0: Good morning once again. It is, as is always, my great privilege and honor to be in the pulpit today for the last time here with you here at uh, at DBC. Thank you, team, for leading us in great music today as we worship the King of Kings. Eighteen years ago, I stood before... uh, What was at the time my youth group delivering? What would be my last sermon to them as their student pastor? On that occasion, as a much, much younger pastor, um, I gave a message that, more than we knew at the time, it turned out, had a really special significance and impact for many of the students there, particularly, we didn't know until later on some of the girls in the group that Connie had had the pleasure of being an influence in their lives. The message was simply. Titled Things I've Learned from My Wife. And it was based on Proverbs 31. We had been married 12 years at that point, and as any husband of any minuscule amount of wisdom would know and acknowledge, she had taught me much. And she continues to do so. Uh, when I mentioned it to Wayne, I was going to be in Proverbs 31, he said, Really? <laughs> yes, really, we're going to be in Proverbs 31. Because now, 18 years later, I have found myself reflecting on that message again and drawn to it for this fairly similar occasion. At the same time, I've thought again about how I approach the pulpit differently now, hopefully more materially than I did all those years ago, and also how the lessons I'd taken from her had changed and grown until now. The last few years have brought seasons and challenges and changes we did not expect but God has been gracious and I believe our marriage is better our faith is stronger and our love is deeper for it so what I'd like to do this morning in our time together is to work through parts of Proverbs 31 31 much like I did all those years ago and once again, use my wife, see my wife, as a living illustration of some of what we see here and how it has helped and instructed me. Not a perfect one. No one but Jesus would ever be that. But for me, and I hope and believe for others, a very good, important, dear, and helpful one. As, so as we conclude our time here at Dorisville... I hope and pray some of the things I've learned from my wife, some of the things we see in Proverbs 31 will be helpful to you as well. Now, you, most of you well know my conviction remains resolute about Scripture and how to approach it, that we cannot make it say what it does not say and not say what it says. We cannot make it mean what it does not mean and not mean what it means. We can and should not apply it to what it does not apply to and not apply to what it should. Those are some of the reasons I approach the pulpit and the text the way I do now. But today we'll be a little bit different in how we approach this text the way I would typically treat it. We'll extrapolate some life lessons, but again, we'll be seeing it through a particular lens. So it'll be a little bit different, but I think and I hope still faithful to the the text. So she will, in a way, be helping me preach this morning. But I will not be asking her to come into the pulpit with me because I prefer to remain alive. So... (laughs) Let's go to our text and pray, and then we'll get to work. Proverbs 31, beginning in verse 10, which I, for my fault, I forgot to put verse 10 on the screen, but it's a short one. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it, and with the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. She opens her hands to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself, and her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing. And she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is in her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, and her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm and deceitful. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands. And let her works praise her in the gates. Let's pray together. God, thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you, Father, for all of the ways it continues to instruct and by your spirit to equip us and help us to know you and follow you more closely through your word and all of the good examples and gifts you've given us in our lives. I'm very grateful for this time, Lord. May it be helpful as it has been to me. May it be helpful and instructive to others as well. i give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, we'll be going through some of these verses and briefly unpacking what we we'll might call life lessons. Uh, might call them sayings, platitudes, kind of you know, a little more homespun maybe. Um, and hopefully lessons that I've learned over the years from this and from many, many, plenty of other places in scripture and from my bride. And I hope that it's helpful to you as well. Go back to verse 10. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. Emphasis on that second part. Very simply put, lesson number one would be this. Prioritize people. Prioritize people. Now, clearly, this is pointing in a very specific, relational, marital direction. Uh, Years ago, we were at a a camp, and the speaker who... um, Uh, was uh, prone to a little more what I would call maybe over-spiritualizing the text and make it, like we said earlier, make it maybe apply and say things it's not really saying. And at the beginning, this person said, Now, is this chapter really about women? And all the pastors in the room out loud said, Yes. (laughs) Clearly it is. But I think in this particular verse, there's a little bit of a broader truth tucked away here than initially we might see. This is the way I would say it up front. Save for knowing Christ, there is nothing more valuable than the people in your life, especially family. They are to be, like this woman, treasured. If you know Connie at all, if you've gotten to know her all over the years, you know that her family is and always has been her priority, period, period. For one, it's why her job path has taken the one, the, the path that it has and how she's worked, particularly with the schools. How did it affect her children and her home? It is, it is common wisdom, young folks here, especially for you guys, it is common wisdom given to young people. I've given it as well and to young men and to young women in seeking a future spouse it, to take great care in how you choose that future spouse, Right? I have often said, especially for the Christ follower, and even more especially in our cultural moment, that the myth of a soulmate or the one should be jettisoned by the church. After all, soulmate comes from Greek mythology where there was two souls joined and they were split at birth and it's some actually kind of weird stuff. Instead of looking for the one, look for the right kind of one. Look for one who loves Jesus. Look for one of good character, honesty, integrity, charity, all the things that make a good person. Look for the right kind of one and the right one you will find. But this little truth also goes way beyond courtship, way beyond the wedding day, way beyond child rearing, way beyond career, way beyond friends. It's a universal truth that you should cherish those in your life that you love and trust cherish like a treasure cherish your family cherish your true true friends especially if you have few and as this per- verse presents her though a distant second to best do a distant second to your wife at best or your spouse at best like your wife they are and should be more precious than jewels prioritize people verses 11 and 12 the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. This is the way I would say this lesson. Trust is better than anything else in your relationships. Trust. Trust. By virtue of what I do, and I'm sure Duane Brent would, would, would concur with this, by virtue of what we do, and well, life, frankly, we, as well as many of you have known people over the years that have gone through all manner of difficulties, but marital difficulties, breakups, divorce, all other types of problems with spouse and friends, right? There was a time when we were younger that we, maybe, we were maybe a little dismissive of the possibility that could ever happen to us. As the years have rolled by and the challenges and difficulties have stomped on us on their way by, we not only know better than to believe that could never happen, but we are and are continuing to try to be more careful and intentional that it does not. But here's the thing. Having, Especially now, having gone through many of those moments, there, we know there's simply no substitute. There's just no substitute for knowing you can trust your person. There's just not. Now, we do have the enormous grace of having had our trust in one another remain steady. Even when our liking each other, maybe not so much. How many of you guys know I'm a movie buff, maybe a bit of a movie nerd? There's a moment from a movie called Open Range. It's one of those lines that just has stuck with me. Open Range is one of the last good, great, true cowboy movies. Some of the guys are going, yeah, I know that movie. <laughs> and there's a moment early on where the guys are in a... It's very early in the film, and they're sheltering a thunderstorm out. They're on a cattle drive out on the prairie, and they're sheltering under a tarp. And it's a deluge Thunderstorm. And they're passing their time by playing cards under the tarp. One of the older hands catches Button, who's the kid in the group, catches him uh, cheating. And he quietly lays his cards down and says, I'm out and walks away. Well, Button looks a little puzzled and a little bit sheepish because he knows he's been caught cheating. And the old grizzled trail boss looks at the boy and says, Button, a man's trust is a valuable thing. You don't want to lose it for a handful of cards. Value those you trust. But way, exponentially more importantly, value the trust that others put in you. And stay true to it. Trust me, it is worth it. Now let's go quickly through verses 13 and 19 and then we're going to condense them. We're going to press them all together. Verse 13, She seeks wool and flax and works works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it, and with the fruit of her hands she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hand to the distaff, and her hands hold the spindle. This passage is obviously clearly about the good wife's industry. We would call that work ethic. So the phrase here would be I would say this way work hard because it's right. Do good work and work hard because it's right. Connie has at home always worked hard to keep clean house, clothes on her family, food in the fridge. With It's hard, obviously, to keep food in the fridge with me around. But she's always, she just kept on cleaning, kept on cooking, kept on washing. But here's the thing. The thing about her doing this, when she cleans the house, she's, she's very thorough and fair to say particular in some ways. By the way, we've gone through all of this ahead of time. <laughs> I'll go through the house and kick the clothes into a pile and throw the bedspread on the bed and move the dishes from the sink, from the counter to the sink and proclaim the house clean. Not Connie. Everything must be done must be done right. Years ago, I was working in an office, and the, the manager above me had a saying when we were organizing things. He said, there's a place for everything, and everything should be in its place. That's, that's her. Now, to be fair, this has always been her calling, wife and mother. That's been, that's been her world, her domain. But to be fair, she is a little more gracious to me now on these kinds of things. And I'm a little bit better than I used to be, very little, But she's always done those things, not because she has to, but because she wants to. And she wants to because she believes they are the good and right things that she does for her home. That's why she does them. But here's, here's where it broadens out. Colossians 3 and 17 says this, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Verse 23 from that same chapter says, Whatever you do, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive an inheritance as your reward, for you are serving the Lord Christ. Whatever you do, you are serving the Lord Christ. She does the little things the way she does anything. And the woman here in this text does the little things the way she does everything, to the glory of God and for the good of her family. Even in the jobs go back to my living illustration here, even in the job she's had over the years storekeeper, cashier, stocker, school office, teacher, believe it or not, for a behavioral room, behavioral problems, classroom she was solely responsible for. school office, teacher's aid she's always just put her head down and done her job whatever it was and enjoyed it, most of it. <laughs> because it was good, right, honest work. Whatever you do, do it right. Do it completely. do it for the Lord. Verse 20 and 21. She opens her hand to the poor. She reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow or for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. Lesson here I would state this way Always help others when you can, be faithful to give, and you'll be provided for. We all, we're Baptists here, most of us have heard at least a few times, Malachi 3.10 preached, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Now, again, really for us Baptists, this is a commonly understood principle. You give, sometimes sacrificially, to the glory of God, and he will provide for your every need. She's always been faithful to this, and it's been... There's a song a line of song I wrote years ago that says, God, you have proven yourself too many times for me to doubt. This has been proven over and over and over and over in lives all through this room. Now, his provision may or may not be extravagant. It may or may not be clothed in scarlet, robes of scarlet. But he is always faithful to his own. He is always Faithful to his own. And because of this, his own should be should give faithfully for the good of others and for his glory. Help others when you can, be faithful to give, and you'll be provided for. Look at verse twenty-five. We're going to skip a couple of verses and go down to verse twenty-five. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. Hopefully it's clear by now that as we're examining the the woman who fears the Lord, the woman in the text, that the woman we're reading about and the strength and dignity here come from a place of what we would call a deep place of character. We also know, of course, here in this room, that for the believer, our character, our good character, is rooted in our faith in Jesus. Unfortunately, we also know, especially in this room that often our strongest faith is built in the most difficult of circumstances. When Connie lost her dad 28 years ago, 28 years ago, she prayed relentlessly for God to heal him. God did not, not physically. But I watched Connie way back then, even then, refuse to lose her faith over that. Even through her deepest grief and what she much later realized were some of her darkest moments. Rather, young Christian continued to pray, go to church, do her daily routine, and over time let God heal her heart of the grief. Second Samuel 12 tells the story of David. Praying and fasting for God to spare the life of his child. God did not. And when David received the news that the child was dead, he got up, washed himself, he got dressed, and the way we we would say it here now, he went to church. Then he comforted his wife, and he prepared to go on with life. David had, like my wife has and has helped me to learn and remember had a proper perspective on life that our circumstance does not change God's character and God's character is always good always good so in this way she and we laugh at the time to come this is the way i read that i read that that no matter what may or may not come for good or for bad for plenty ...or for scarcity. We know we serve the God of it all. And because of that, though we may fret for a moment... ...we rest in His good, faithful, sovereign hands. I'll add one more thing here that I've said often... ...and a bunch over a long span of years... That I have seen to be true. Over and over and over and over again. Young people tune in here. Because it, and anybody who is young in your faith. Tune in here. Listen. Decide now. Decide now. Whether or not. You are going to trust God. No matter what. Before the difficult times come. Because if you don't. When the difficult times come you will much more likely not continue to trust in him. Decide that now. Hold. Hold. I forgot to say the lesson at the beginning of this section. Here it is. Hold to unwavering faith, no matter what. Hold to unshakable faith, no matter what. Verse 26. She opens her mouth in wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. The lesson here, this, is, this sounds a lot more homespun than some of the things that we're saying. How you say it is just as important as what you say. Clearly, this is one I continue to struggle with. How you say it is just as important as what you say. If we're honest, this is one that both I and Connie and all of us, particularly since we're kind of in the marital realm, all of us who've been married for a while have learned in both good and bad moments. How you say it is just as important as what you say. Colossians 4.6 says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to, you ought to answer each person. I used to love using a joke that I heard at Promise Keepers years ago that my wife and I no longer argue. We have moments of intense fellowship. That, but that's, that's not accurate. <laughs> There's another saying that I've heard more recently that I really like and it's come to be actually really applicable in a lot, of, a lot of situations. It goes like this. Good judgment comes from wisdom. And wisdom comes from bad judgment. Now just apply that to how you treat, speak to, and take care for your spouse. and That one makes sense. Have a few moments of bad judgment that give you wisdom. You'll know to have good judgment in the future, right? It's all too relatable for most of us, and we're often, it applies to this lesson. Words handled poorly can wound deeply. And we know this, we know this, having learned it both from giving and receiving those wounds from each other and from others. But here's the other thing. Words, carefully and rightly given, can also heal. They can build up. They can encourage. They can help unwound some of the wounds they helped create. Now, to be fair, however, if you're putting yourself in a situation, maybe you're in and thinking through it, keep in mind, this part is certainly more difficult if you're the recipient of those wounds. So if you're the giver, give some grace. All right? But do your best, do your best to learn this lesson early with as few moments of bad judgment as possible. And take care with your words, most especially with those you're closest to. Let your conversation with grace be with grace, seasoned with salt. Look at verse 27. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, and her husband also, he praises her. This lesson I would say this way. Be always vigilant, both with life as well as your family. When the kids were younger, you did not have to observe Connie for long to know she looked out for her kids. I mean, she still does. But we have to do those things a little differently, maybe a lot differently, in different ways now than we did back then. But back then, when they were little, she always knew where they were. Unless they were hanging out with Dad at church and he went home and left them at church. But we won't say that happened. Twice. She almost always had an eye on them. Always watching, always careful, always protecting. But I've learned, however, I think a little bit of a looser point we can take here, that this awareness that she always had is maybe a microcosm of a greater spiritual awareness. 1 Peter 5.8 says this, Be sober-minded, be watchful, for your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Our adversary looks for every opportunity to bring us down. And we must guard ourselves in life the way she would guard her kids when they were younger. And there are likely an endless number of ways or specific examples of what this might look like in life. And I will tell you, I have lost count of the ways I have failed to be on guard. All I really know to tell you is this. Be aware that you have, we have, a very real enemy. Who knows you better than you think. Who honestly knows scripture better than you do. And knows exactly when and where and how to attack you. Be vigilant with your life and your family. And look well after your household and your heart. Verse 30. Charm is deceitful. And beauty is vain. And you could take so many other things and put in the first sections of that. Pride, possessions, power. All of those things is deceitful and vain, right? But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. We're going to lean into part A and come back around to part B on this one. Here's, here's, the, here's the, the, the lesson. Be attached to... And that's, I'm going to use that phrase, I think, intentionally, yes. Be attached to God more than yourself... Your beauty, your wealth, your possessions, places, even people. Go back to the beginning. Prioritize people, right? But what did I say? Save aside from knowing Christ. Prioritize all the people in your life. There's one that's above it, and that's Jesus. Since we have been married, we have moved nine, soon to be ten, hopefully not eleven someday times. And I mean most ladies i 've known over the years grow very attached to their houses because they say we say it 's not just a house it 's a home right? But since we were very, very young, Connie has always said it 's not it 's just a house it 's just a house, and if God takes us somewhere else, God will provide another and he has over the years, and as the wife of a much younger minister we 've been here sixteen years, but as the wife of a much younger minister who moved more frequently, that was that was a helpful perspective it didn 't really make it easier. But it it does help. When Jesus addressed the rich young ruler, he told him and told him to sell all of his possessions. This is also where he he said uh, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to get into heaven in that parable, in that moment. He wasn't telling us that we all have to be poor if we want to know and serve him. Or that rich people cannot be godly Christians. He was trying to communicate that Christ, for the believer, Christ must be the, all caps, the ruling priority of your life. It's not a bad thing to have nice stuff. It's not. But when having nice stuff becomes your consuming, driving motivation for your work, your school, your life, you're in trouble. Possessions, places, Even people are all good. God puts them in your life to have and to enjoy. But when those things, any of those things, any of those things, take God's place in your life as the thing that gives you your purpose, you're in deep trouble. And maybe sin. Because all of those good things, when they become that thing, they become idols. And idols destroy Destroy who they worship. And sometimes the idol destroys itself. God should be the thing. Christ should be the thing that gives you your purpose and your identity. And everything else is shaped by that. So when God says, walk away, clearly says, walk away from something, you do so with a willing heart. settled in the truth. As we have seen over many years, the truth of God's leadership and provision. And here and now, we are learning that once again. Be more attached, be more in love with, be more belonging to God and Christ than anything else. Lastly, verse 31 Give her the fruit of her hands, let her works praise her in the gates. This lesson I will sum up with one word. Integrity. Integrity. We've heard lots of definitions. One of, the, one of the best kind of working definitions I've heard was something along the lines of have the same character in private as you have in public. Now this kind of thing here in this verse would clearly only be said of someone that people knew and respected as a person of integrity. I, I don't have to tell you or anyone else that Connie loves me loves her kids and loves Jesus be around us for a while and that is evident you will see it so most simply put because we've heard plenty of sermons and lessons about integrity and know what that means most simply put let your life let your life lived in Christ for Christ about Christ with Christ speak for itself. 1 Peter 2.15 says, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Let your life speak for itself as one of integrity. But I want to be clear about something, and I know and some of you know that my wife would immediately make this clear, that anything and everything good she has, including character, that she has or does, and this would be true of, I know many people in the room would say, that's absolutely true, I want to say the same thing. It's not because of her, me, us. It's because of Christ in us. It's because of Christ in her. It's because of Christ in me that we have those good things. It's because, not that I'm good, it's because He is good. It's because He is faithful. It's because He is constant. And it's because He has made us His own. James 1.17 says, Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Have all of these good things of character and have all these things, but know that for the believer and for everyone, they are good gifts from the Father. So, while this has been a little bit different approach to the text for me as we've drawn applications every step of the way, the biggest and most important application uh, so far is this. The most important thing we see in the woman of Proverbs 31 is, is in the last, is, is back in verse 30. And the most important thing that I know my wife would want you to know is that all of the things they are and have is summed up in this phrase the woman who fears the Lord. It's in my Bible, that's the header of the whole section. The woman who fears the Lord. And in this verse it says, the woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Here's the thing. The woman, the man, the people who really tritely fear the Lord, we, we know what that says, but we don't want the praise. We want the praise and glory to go to God, right? This is a biblical, maybe Old Testament way of saying this. The woman or man who knows And knows they belong to Christ and follows him. So most importantly, above any other lessons or applications we might glean from today, this is my advice, my plea, is that we follow Christ. He's given us good examples. But ultimately it's about Jesus and following him. Ultimately, make sure we repent of sin and trust in Him and His finished work at the cross and then follow Him hard after Him for the rest of our life. Ultimately, the best things in life, all the good things in life, even character and integrity matter nothing eternally without the gospel and a right response to it. The gospel that God, holy, perfect, pure, righteous God... Is is that he's all of that and man us we are not, we are stained, sinful, separated by sin. Every one of us we're born into it, and there is nothing we can do, to be right enough, clean enough, holy enough, so that we can be reconciled to God and know Him in love and in mercy. That's not possible by us. So Christ came. So Christ came. Born of a virgin, lived a sinless perfect life, died a substitutionary death on our behalf, took our death penalty. That's the price of sin. Scripture says the wages of sin is death. Took our place in the death penalty wages for sin, so that rather than one day have to stand before that righteous, holy God in wrath and judgment, we can know him in love and mercy and stand before him one day in love and mercy and relationship. That's the gospel. You have one part. God, man, Christ, you have one part. Respond in repentance and faith. Turn from sin. Start turning from sin and place your faith solely and completely in the finished work of Christ at the cross. If you want any of the rest of it to matter, rightly respond to the gospel. If you haven't already, I would plead with you to do it today. So perhaps that's you. Perhaps you're here today and you've you've never truly, solely, completely trusted in Christ and in Christ alone. Because it's Christ alone. It's not Christ and my character. Maybe your sin is trusting in the good things you have. The good things you are to get you there. But while they are very good things, they will not settle your eternity. Christ is the only one who can do that. Today, put the right foundation in place for the character and the things that you would build on it, that he would build on it. Turn from your sin, maybe even the sin of trust in your own goodness, pride, and trust in Christ alone by repenting of sin and trusting in Jesus. Perhaps you know Christ. You are Christian. You are in Christ. You belong to him. That is settled for you. Praise God. But like me, you picked up a lesson or two. Maybe you've maybe seen some areas in your life that maybe, maybe I I could use some work in this area. This would fall under what we call in church sanctification. Being sanctified, being cleaned up might be a better word. To, To put it broadly, the process over time of becoming less like us, less like me, and more like Jesus, more like the one who saved me. Here's the thing. You alone, you can't do that either without the grace and the power of God working those things in your life. So maybe you just need some time, some things that he's opened up to you to say, God, I need some grace in this area. Remember what I, you hear me say this a lot. The gospel doesn't just save us. The gospel saves us and the gospel is going to keep us and hold us and take us all the way home to glory one day. And in the middle, it is the gospel, the grace of the gospel that continues to to change us and make us less like what we were and more like what he is. So maybe you need some time just to talk to him. Say, God, I I need some grace in this area. Work that grace more in me, continuing grace. Perhaps this is a moment when, while knowing we are all imperfect and still need work, it is a moment of profound gratitude as you recognize the good gifts God has given you. Most particularly in the form of the gospel and the people around you. Your family and your friends. Maybe you just need to spend some time giving from the heart sincere, worshipful thanks for all of the good And perfect gifts that your father has given you. Spend some time giving thanks. Paul left instructions for the Corinthians. To imitate Christ. By imitating him. I will not say that because. Too often I'm not worth imitating. I will leave you as we conclude. My last time pulpit here. I will leave you with this. Again, not perfectly but be like Christ by in some good ways imitating the person who other than Christ has had the biggest impact on my life who has taught me more than any other who has changed my life more than she realizes and who demonstrates Amen. a faith in that gospel and that savior that is unshakable be like my wife who is doing her best to be like her savior Jesus. So by that, follow Christ and be more like Him. Let's pray together. God, I thank you again for your word. I thank you, Lord, for the gospel of Jesus. I thank you, God, for all of the good gifts you have given me. I thank you for this tremendous one that has helped me today. And I thank you, Lord, for the love of Jesus that holds us and keeps us. Lord, I pray that if you are working in the heart of someone this morning who has not fully, completely, solely trusted in you for salvation, today might be the day they settle it, that they would begin to turn from sin and trust in Jesus. Lord, for some who might be, have something in their life you've pricked their conscience about, say, hey, you need, some, you, need me to let, you need to let me work in this area, that they would do that, that they would yield to you again in that area of their life. For those of us that stand and we're just overwhelmed with gratitude again for all of the good gifts that you have given. We worship you now again in song. Let it continue for the rest of our life. You have your way in the next few moments as you have already. We give you thanks and praise for everything you've done in Jesus' name. Amen.